Let's take a moment and pray. Father, thank you so much today. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your presence. Lord, we delight ourselves in you. Thank you that you give us the desires of our heart. Lord, thank you for an abundance of revelation and understanding now that comes to each one of us. As we look to you, you open the eyes of our understanding. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Lord, I thank you for doing what you desire to do today. Give each of us eyes to see like we pray, ears to hear, hearts receptive to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're in a series on these weekend services called Getting Control of Your Life. And uh, hopefully you're well on the road by now. Unless this is your first part, you're still probably out of control. <laughs> Chaotic living. But we're going to help you out today. And uh, the desire and the goal is to live a controlled life. All right. Ultimately, so that we can offer it to God and uh, you know, offer our lives as a, a living sacrifice unto Him. Uh, but we've got to have control, and too many people are living out of control lives, various areas. Uh, I realize this, that probably uh, a number of us, most of us, aren't completely out of control. There may be a few that that describes, but probably more often we have situations where there are some parts of our lives that are doing just great, we're just bang on, everything's working, everything's clicking, and there are other areas of life where they're really not in control. And if we'd be honest with ourselves, we'd recognize that, hey, there's some things that I really need to get a better grip on in my life. And that's really what this, uh, this series is going to help you to do. Uh, at the same time, while I say that, remember this, that if there are areas in your life that you feel disappointed with now or you feel like are out of control, realize that it's probably not every area oftentimes we magnify what's wrong instead of magnifying what's right and many times someone will have ten things that are going great and two things that are going wrong and all they can think about and all they can talk about are those two things that are going wrong and what that does it serves to make us ungrateful and uh, unthankful and really when we enter into that type of life we are more likely to complain and moan which really perpetuates and, and makes problems grow and problems get bigger as opposed to making them diminish so let's be glad and thankful for everything that's going good be happy about everything that's flowing everything that's working where the Lord has blessed you at the same time now we're gonna deal with those two areas or those five areas or those one area whatever it is and uh, I've discovered that there are two main keys in the Word of God, at least two that I've seen. I certainly don't know everything, but I see, I see two main keys to living a controlled life and having control of our lives. Number one is dealing with the mind, all right? And that's what we're focusing on here in the first half of this series. That is dealing with the mind. If you will control your mind, you will control your life. But at the same time, if you have an out-of-control mind, if your thought life is not in control, you will not have a controlled life. Uh, what we want to do, what the, the way we want to act, the way we want to be, must begin internally. And of course, if you've been saved, the biggest internal part, of course, is our spirit, and that's already been born again. But after a person comes to the Lord, they have to do something called having their mind renewed. And this is a very big New Testament subject 
that we renew our minds so that it comes in agreement with the born-again spirit, ultimately really in agreement with God. And so the mind is something that we are dealing with. Control your mind, control your life. Isaiah 26 and verse 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And so an amazing promise, oh, it's outstanding. It's called perfect peace. is available to all if we can keep our mind stayed on him. Not if your sins are forgiven. Not if you really love the Lord. No, you might have your sins forgiven and really love the Lord, but have a scatterbrain. Have all kinds of thoughts running through your mind that are out of control. You will not have perfect peace, even though the Lord wants you to have it. But if you can find a way to keep your mind stayed on the Lord, perfect peace will come to you. And it will be a part of your life. All kinds of people in our world today, people without the Lord and many times people with the Lord, they desire to have the peace of God manifest in their life, but they don't know how to do it. And I'm telling you, it's all about mind control. It's all about keeping our thoughts stayed on Him. Now, this is possible. This is doable with every single one of us. The Lord doesn't dangle this in front of us, and it's something we can't achieve. But He's given us the power and the ability to keep our minds stayed on Him, and so that's what we're dealing with. Go to Ephesians chapter 4, and I, I want to read these verses um, from Ephesians. I believe we read them last time as well, but there's more to milk out of these verses. I mean, no, you haven't milked any, any verse dry. <laughs> there's more life, there's more understanding and revelation in every word from God. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 21, it says, If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the, what? Truth is in Jesus, we're dealing with truth, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Now, hold on right there for a moment. Notice what he said. Talking to Christians, talking to believers, he said, put off your former conduct, the old man. Now, my thoughts immediately go, when I read scriptures like that, I think, what do you mean put off the old man? Because if I understand the Bible correctly, the old man is dead. I mean, no, this is not talking about your dad. <laughs> not that old. Don't call him an old man. That's disrespectful. All right. <laughs> when Paul said, my old man was crucified with Christ, he was not talking about one of those criminals on the other crosses. You know, the three crosses. He wasn't. Okay. But when, he, when we're told here, <laughs> all right, it's funny to me whether it is to you or not. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and enjoy myself while I'm here. <laughs> it's third time, third time I've done this service, so I'm going to might as well have fun. <laughs> uh, well, uh, the Scripture says to put off this old man don't we understand from the New Testament that old things have passed away and all things have become new? So the old guy is already dead. 
But he says to put him off. And here's the issue. The old guy is dead. That's clear in the Bible. The old guy died. New life has come. We're a new creation in Christ Jesus. A brand new species of being. Uh, The old guy's gone. But he left around some remnants. And that was his thoughts. When the Bible talks about putting off the old man, it's talking about the old man's way of thinking. That's what the next verse says. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Yeah, the old guy's dead, but the thoughts many times still remain. He said, and that you put on the new man, which was created in Created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. In other words, the born-again spirit, how was it created? Righteous and holy. That's the way that we're, we're created, and we're to put that guy on. Well, how do I put him on it? Aren't I him? Isn't that me? Aren't I the new man? Yes, that new guy's thoughts The way of thinking, put that mind on, take the old mind off from the old guy the way he used to think. That's what the new and old is. See, here's something this verse is not teaching. Some have have tried to use this to say this, but you have to do away with other scriptures to say this. But it's not telling you that you and I have dual natures. That we have a sinful nature and a righteous nature at the same time. I don't know if you're aware of this. Some people teach that. I think it can be dangerous to, 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 to think that way. It's hard to live the Christian life if you believe you are, by nature, still sinful. Okay? We are all born that way, and we had all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But when Jesus came in, old things were passed away, and all things were made new. And so you don't have a sin nature and a righteous nature at the same time. As a matter of fact, when Jesus came in, we've been created in righteousness and true holiness. But that mind must be put on. The mind of the new man is what we must put on regularly, take off the old dude, and think according to the way we are. Okay, what this is, is thinking in reality. The way things really are. It's not about being fake or phony. Remember, talked about uh, scripture talked about truth there. I'm going to put on what is reality. I'm not just trying to act like something I'm not. Not trying to put on a show so I'm acting like something that's not really true. No, it really is true. I really do believe that I've been changed and filled with the life of God, and that's my very nature now in Christ. And I'm supposed to act according to truth. See, whenever I I read things like that, I I recognize the value that truth must uh, play, the the part that truth must play in every person's life. Truth. Not just that truth of the Word, but truth in your Word. If I really value truth and say, oh, I love the Word, I love the truth of God, but then I'll go ahead and throw my Word out there, and maybe I'll do it, maybe I won't. I'll commit to someone and maybe I'll fulfill that commitment. Maybe I won't. I'm a living dichotomy. huh? I'm going two different directions at once. I can't say, Lord, I just love your truth and I just want the word. And No, you don't. See, we, we need to be consistent here. That's the old guy. The old guy will do things like uh, tell someone I'll be there at a certain time and I'll be there for you and then show up an hour late. Or not show up at all. That's the way the old guy lived. Say, that's condemning, Pastor. (laughs) We're renewing the mind here today. If you are that way, we love you. 
I'm just saying, quit it. Take that, take the old diaper off. <laughs> so I'm just before you put a new one on. We got to, we got to rid ourselves of that type of thinking. Okay, you know, people in church things. Of course, you know, you know how churches work. Uh, most, well, all churches they work on volunteer uh, efforts. Ministry all around the world. Only very few people have it as a profession or something where they get paid to do it. Vast majority of ministry is volunteer. Because of that, people know they're not getting an immediate reward for their labors. You'll have people in churches all the time. Can I, can I just say this? We're just us. But people will, uh, people will say, I'll be there to help out with this. Or I'll be there for the kids' ministry. I'll be there to help usher or, or work with this area or help out. And don't show up. Why? Say, why don't they do it? Because their word's no good. They don't value truth enough. And I could talk about how it puts other people out, but we all know that. We've all been put out before, haven't we? <laughs> We've all been left hanging before. Uh, but I'm saying, you know, even in, the, in Bible days, Paul wrote in this same book of Ephesians, he told them to quit lying. Christians, imagine that. Christians. Christian liars. <laughs> shouldn't go together but I have a feeling it relates to the church today as well where sometimes people put their word out there and they say I'll be here I'll do this I'll commit to this and and and, and you never see any follow-through that person's going to have a difficult time walking with the Lord and having their mind renewed truth must be important to us as Jesus here who uh, it says as the truth is in Jesus all right. Now, th- listen, this having our mind renewed, we can liken this to uh, computers. Your brain, your mind is like a computer. We understand how that works today and, and how you're not going to get anything out of the computer unless it's first put into the computer. You must install certain programs in order for you to get that kind of stuff back out of them. And the same thing is true with our mind. I'm not going to get out of my mind anything that I haven't put in there. And if I'm, if I'm dealing with and struggling with things mentally and certain thoughts and emotions, guess what? They were put in there. Hmm. I gave my mind over to that type of thinking, and now it's just kicking back out again. And uh, we, we could say it, say it this way. People who use the, the Internet a lot and send a lot of email and download stuff and... and uh, doing a lot of stuff on their computer. How many know that you have to beware of and watch out for evils out there on the World Wide Web? When I'm talking about evils, I'm not talking, to, uh, not talking pornography and that kind of stuff. Uh, there's a lot of that out there, too. But I'm talking about people pick up viruses. You know what I'm talking about? People pick up different types of malware that, that uh, hinder and, and really wreak havoc on their computer. Okay? Just from, if you do anything out there, that's the, those are the kind of things that are out there. And, you know, you have to get your system cleaned out if you want it to function properly. And maybe some of you have been, to, been this far. If you've been on computers much, you probably have, where you got to a point and you thought, oh, how do you format a hard drive? I want to wipe the whole thing out and start over. <laughs> There's too much junk in there. I don't know how. It's so much code in there that I don't understand. I can't fix. Let's wipe the thing and start over and reinstall the operating system and have a fresh, brand new start. Okay. 
likewise, this happens to us as we go out in the, the world, wide world, uh, as we're picking up stuff, okay? Things are getting into our minds. We're looking at things. We're hearing stuff. We're being involved. And the thoughts, the ways, the thinking of the world has influenced every single one of us. And we must get a scrub, okay? We must reformat at times and, uh, and wipe things out and let God write some new heavenly programs <laughs> on, our, uh, on our hard drive so that we can function and live with Him. You know, when we got saved... Most of us, we became aware or, and are still becoming aware of a whole other world that we're to live in. It's called the spirit world. It's called the realm of God. And we live in the physical world and we live in the spiritual world and we realized, man, I've been missing out on all kinds of stuff. All these people are just living physically. All they relate to is what they see and what they hear and what they feel. But now I realize there's something called faith. And faith is, is something that's powerful. It will reach into the realm of the spirit and yank stuff out and pull it into the physical realm. But you know, how, how many know, most people don't know how to do that. They have no idea how to get stuff out of the unseen realm into the seen realm. But every one of us did that with salvation. Now, I don't mean you saw your salvation Im- immediately, but we believed the testimony that came through somebody else of what Jesus did and accomplished for us. And they said, if you'll believe on Him and if you'll receive Him, you'll be saved. You'll be changed in a moment. We did. And it worked. And we were. And that change is being seen more and more and more. And this is happening all around the world. People are going from selfish, hateful, you know, full of all kinds of envy and strife to peace and love and joy and they want to serve. How can that happen? It's called something came out of the invisible and came into the visible. And we've learned to live in two different realms. But this is something we're going to continue in doing so, but we've got to train our mind to do so. We need some new programs that will help us to operate in this new environment. That will realize I'm not just a physical being living a physical, natural life. I'm a spiritual being filled with God, born of Him. And I live in two realms at the same time. And I can operate in both. Amen. Those are the kind of people, by the way, who operate in miracles. And they see physical things changed because they're of their knowledge of the spirit realm. Which is, has to do with the promises of God. And all that He's made provision for us in. And so, our minds are renewed, and this process must be repeated over and over as we come into new situations where attitudes and thoughts arise that are contrary to the Word of God. You'll run into new people, run in, new situation on the job, and there's so many areas, and things have been planted in your mind. Sometimes you don't realize they're there until you run into that idiot. you run into a new circumstance and a situation where someone pokes you a certain way and all of a sudden whoop where did that come from (laughs) it was hiding down there somewhere in your hard drive never got dealt with never got cleaned out with the right key combination the right things punched in and all of a sudden there it is what do we do it's time to renew again 
It's a constant process. We apply God's truth and his word to our life so that we react appropriately with that situation. And if we deal with it right, the next time those, that code is punched, next time that certain key combination gets put together, it's not there anymore. Your antivirus software worked. <laughs> it's the word of God. It cleaned out that virus from your mentality and from your character and from how you respond to circumstances and situations. And this is important. This is not a one-time fix. This is an ongoing process that we all deal with over and over and over again. Now, how can a person control his thoughts? We've dealt with this to some degree, and I want to say it more succinctly. Uh, Before I say that, some of the things I've been endeavoring to do in this first half, this first part of this series, is to show the principle and value of controlling thoughts. Okay, we've done that already. Also, to show that we are instructed to put our mind on certain things. I mean, with the Lord, it's not all about just love the Lord, just have your sins forgiven, and everything will be okay. No, He tells us specifically what to think about, what to do with our minds. We cannot ignore that part of it. Well, I'm saved, I'm forgiven, I love the Lord. Not questioning that. I'm just saying what you think about is going to direct your future. You're going to go where your mind goes. And that's why the Bible tells us, think these thoughts. Put your mind or set your mind on these things. Okay. And then third, of course, to show exactly how to control our thoughts. Real succinctly... How do we control our thought life? By regularly setting the mind on the Lord and meditating. And when I say set your mind on the Lord, how do you set your mind on the Lord? Not that picture of Jesus that many of us can envision right now. You see it? Not like that. (laughs) Really, setting your mind on the Lord is setting your mind on what He said. Putting your mind on His word what he said what he promised what he instructed us to do that is setting your mind on the lord what this will do now this will renew the mind it'll give you a scrub every time you do that you set your mind on something the lord said it's clean in your mind it will also empower us when attacks come all right carnal thinking becomes foreign and being spiritually minded becomes normal But this is the problem that we face sometimes is we understand, okay, I see this meditation thing. I need to focus my mind on the Lord. But people wait until they're in trouble to do that. They wait until they're in the heat of battle. Things are falling apart. And hold on, wait, I got to go quick meditate. And how many know quick and meditate do not go together? And it's too late. Like the person who needs, who waits to get faith until they need it. It's too late. This is something we do before the battle ensues. Before we're feeling the pressure. Before everything is falling apart. What do we do? We take time and think on the Lord. On think on, on, on His Word. And at the beginning, like I've said this to you already. At the beginning, it's difficult. Because your mind will go to something else after 10 seconds. But you put it there. This is before there's problems. This is where everything's relatively peaceful. You 
turn off the TV, and you say, I'm going to put my mind on the Lord. And you, t- you grab a scripture. You go to a psalm. You go to Galatians. You go to Ephesians. You go, you go to something with the Gospels. Go to what Jesus said. Take a couple verses and think about them. Let them roll through you. Roll through. And what you're doing is you're cleaning. You're debugging. Debugging your system, right? Then, when you do that regularly, you've got clean spots all over. Then, when the trouble comes, when the battle ensues, when normally you're freaking out and your mind is filled with chaos and unbelief and all kinds of wrong stuff, worldly thinking, you're in control now. And in the middle of it, you're okay. Because you can take your mind in the middle of chaos and put it exactly where it needs to be. And that's how you have victory. It's absolutely how you have victory. Keeping your mind stayed on the Lord. But don't wait. Do it when things are good. Do it when things are okay. Let me read you a few scriptures to you. These won't be up on the screen. Psalm chapter 1 and verse 2, speaking to the man who prospers in everything he does. says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Psalm 19 verse 14 says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord, my Redeemer, or my strength and my Redeemer. The meditation of my heart. Psalm 57 and verse 7 says, My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise. What is your heart? Steadfast. Focus now. Psalm 63, verse 6. When I remember you on my bed... I meditate on you in the night watches. Say, I'm busy. Do it at night. I'm full all day long. What about all night long? I've got to sleep. Listen, I'm telling you, a lot of this, you don't have to do for hours. I mean, if you can, great. But take 10 minutes and think and do that at different occasions. You'll find you'll have so much more control of your thought life if you'll do that. I don't know. I don't know completely how how the mind works, and and uh, you know it's a very complex organ, uh, the brain, and and how the mind and everything works. But I know. Have you, have you ever had anybody here ever dream? <laughs> okay, probably all of us, right? I think that's probably a nat- natural function of the mind. You ever had any wild dreams? <laughs> and you thought, where in the world did that come from? That was like weird. <laughs> Well, if you'll call Pastor Allen, he'll interpret those for you. <laughs> the car flying through the air. Well, that meant uh, <laughs> you watch too many sci-fi movies. Or... I have crazy dreams at times, too. One thing I like, though, and I enjoy this aspect of the dream life, and uh, these dreams that I have at times. I don't think they're from the Lord. They're not, because the Lord does give supernatural dreams, uh, but that's not what I'm talking about. I have times where I dream, and in my dreams, I'm praying in other tongues. <laughs> I have times when I dream, and I'm, I'm laying hands on the, on the sick and seeing them get healed. Amazing, miraculous stuff. 
I have times where uh, I dream and I, I, I'm just I'm flowing in the spirit and gifts of the spirit are just flowing through me and I'm just operating on a supernatural realm and I get up in the morning from when I have dreams like that I'm just like <clears throat> just fired up just built up you kind of bring it on Mr. Devil I'm going to knock you in the head Nothing's, no, I'm not afraid of, you know, uh, of anything I, I like that but here's what I understand aside from any kind of supernatural invent, intervention of God giving a, a vision or a dream to someone why does my mind think that way sometimes during the night it's because it thinks that way while I'm awake now, I don't spend 24 hours a day thinking of that stuff you know because I fly the car sometimes in my dreams too <laughs> sometimes I fly without a car I'm just <laughs> the alter ego you know but I know this uh, what I do when I'm in control when I choose what I'm going to think about will determine what I'm going to do when I'm not so quote in control thoughts are just coming to me whether it's awake or even sometimes just sleeping and these thoughts are coming back up how did where did they come from they came from somewhere they came from somewhere they're down they're in the hard drive might be under the code in those areas that you're not supposed to look you know on the computer don't click this unless you know what you're doing they're down in there but the word of God is penetrating it's quick and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword it'll divide spirit and soul get get right in there clean that that junk out all right I was reading scriptures to you Psalm 77 verse 12 I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds Psalm 119 verse 99 I have more understanding than all my teachers for your testimonies are my meditation think about that you meditate on the Lord's testimonies and get smarter than everybody you know more than all your teachers yeah. Psalm 143 verse 5 I remember the days of old I meditate on your works I muse on the work of your hands and then 1 Timothy 4.15 it says meditate on these things give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all what I think about, what I meditate on, eventually shows up in my life. If I will meditate on the right thing, eventually others will know what I'm thinking about. What I do in private eventually gets seen by everybody else. So you don't know what my thoughts are. Yes, I do. If I hang around you long enough, I'll know exactly what you're thinking about. You don't have to have a TV screen on the front of your forehead for, for others to know. Because eventually, it's going to be the way you live. Amen. Now turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Let me show you a couple more things here this morning. That will help. And bless your socks off. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Say it out loud. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but He has given unto me a spirit of power 
and of love and a sound mind. Say it again. I have a sound mind. Amen. This is what the Lord has given us. Now, now listen to this from the Amplified Bible. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craving and cringing and fawning fear. But he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. That's what the Lord has given to us. Now, it's very common. People will make a big deal about and talk about uh, how that the power of God's important. No, no question. No question that the love of God is a very preeminent thing in the New Testament. The New Testament command is love. We need to have the love of God. But I find it very interesting that right placed with these two all-important truths of power and love is a sound, controlled, self-disciplined mind. Right there in the midst. Right there with the three. A sound mind. People skip over that. We need to talk about love. Yeah, you need to have a controlled mind. But we need the power of God. Yeah, yeah. Have a spirit of power, but you need to have a controlled mind. How many know there's been a bit, lot of problems in the world throughout history and even today with people who have a lot of power without a sound mind? <laughs> How many know the people in our, in our city who carry around power? Nightstick. Gun. <laughs> How many would prefer, I don't know if there's any police officers here. How many would prefer they have a sound mind? <laughs> when someone's got stick and gun please have sound mind <laughs> or the rest of us are in trouble <laughs> right right and, and, and likewise we all need to have the love of God have the power of God but a sound disciplined mind is right in the middle of that and this is what it says that God has given us a spirit of a self-disciplined controlled sound mind never deceive yourself into saying, I can't control my thoughts. I just can't, ma- just can't master that area of my life. No, say this instead. I have from the Lord a sound mind. From the Lord, I have a disciplined, self-controlled mind. That's the Word. That's the Bible. It'll activate that ability in you if you'll, if you'll acknowledge it. Hmm. Faith gives action to the power. Praise God. And so let's recognize this need. Now, First Peter chapter 1. Take a right turn. Hebrews, James, First Peter. First Peter chapter 1. And notice with me down here in verse 13. It says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace of That is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Notice what he said. Gird up the loins of your mind. Now, I realize sometimes we read the Bible and we just read right over stuff real quick. But let's go a little bit slower. Analyze. If I read this real slow and I see, gird up the loins of your mind. I didn't know my mind had loins. Does your mind have loins? 
See, we read right over that stuff and go, oh yeah, the, gird up the loins of your mind. Have not a clue what it means. <laughs> Isn't that a good scripture? Let's gird, gird up the loins of our mind. <laughs> My mind doesn't have any loins. <laughs> your mind has... Well, actually, if you back up and look at this, that terminology, gird up your loins, is uh, frequently used in Scripture. Okay? We don't use that too much. I mean, we're not regularly girding up our loins. Right? But in their day, they did. All right? And part of the reason was because of the type of clothing that they wore. And these guys would walk around in these robes. These robe-looking things. You've seen the movies of, uh, of Jesus and, and these kind of dress-looking things, these robes that they wear. And, uh, you know, they also didn't have cars. And they did a lot of their uh, travel by foot. Of course, there was donkeys and other animals and so forth. But they, they walked a lot. And how many know if you walk a lot, just like in your car, you're not always just going 10 miles an hour. Sometimes you've got to go faster. Well, what do you do if you're on foot? You run. What do you do if you're wearing a robe? <laughs> Ladies, you wear those uh, skirts and dresses, and, and it just looks uncomfortable to me. I know sometimes my wife will wear a dress. She says, oh, it's just comfortable, or a skirt. I'm like, ha, ah, you can't move, and when you sit, you have to be nice. <laughs> you, know, you can't just... <laughs> You have to, yeah, some people do that, I guess. That's another lesson. <laughs> that whole modesty bit. They got to do this thing, right? <laughs> and if you ever have to get anywhere fast, I mean, you can't really run, can you? Lady, run in a dress. I guess if it's loose, you can run a little bit, but sometimes they're really tight. You've seen those? <laughs> and then you, you know. <laughs> You've got to try to run, try to move. and That just could be very difficult. And so, uh, thank God, guys, <laughs> that we don't live in Scotland or, <laughs> or in the Middle East where they still wear these uh, robes and, you know, these kilts. Is that what they call them? That's a dress. That's... You can't tell me different. But anyway, they, they, wore, they wore those robish-looking things. And so whenever they had to move, they had to run. Or if they were, uh, you know, in a battle of some kind, uh, you know, that can be very restricting. And so what they do, they gird up their loins. How do they do that? Well, they got that robe. They reach down and grab the back part of that uh, dress. <laughs> and they pull that thing up here and tuck it in their belt. Got the diaper effect going on. <laughs> but all of a sudden, their modern stylish garb, looking good in their new designer robe. You know that's true because you remember they, they cast lots for Jesus. Jesus' garment. It wasn't no piece of junk. It was designer. It was all of one cloth. It wasn't a patchwork. He had a, he had a really... Versace or something. Yeah. He, had, he had a really nice one. Which is, by the way, flies in the face that Jesus was poor. That's another message. He sure had nice clothes. But uh, 
Anyway. <laughs> uh, so anyway, when they had to do anything, of course, they would, they would mm, do that, and it turned their designer clothing or whatever they were wearing, their, their, their uh, robish, robish things, uh, into fully functional, and they were agile, and they could fight, and they can run, they could do whatever they need to do. What did it mean now? Okay, gird up the loins of your mind. I said all that to say, be prepared. <laughs> be ready. But be ready where? Gird up the loins of your mind. Be prepared mentally. In your mind, your thought life must be in order or you're not ready. If you're not prepared in your mind, you're not prepared. People leave that part of the equation out. Think, I'm spiritually right with God. Yes, you are. I'm, you know, I got my body in check. Fine. If your mind is not in control, you're not ready to live the Christian life. Like in sports. How many know so many sports are not just physical, but they're mental? You see, uh, you see NBA players before a big game, oftentimes sitting on the side of the court with a very serious look on their face, and they're just concentrating. What are they doing? Well, they're already in shape. They already know how to shoot. They know the game plan. They're getting mentally prepared. They realize being successful is not all about physical pre- preparation. Golfers, same with many sports, but how many know a golfer can have all the skills and all the mechanics to have a good swing, or, uh, but they can miss a putt by a mile if their mind is squirrely. And it, it, ends, it ends careers of some golfers because they can't get their mind in control and they realize that's such a big part of the game. Our walk with God, our relationship with God, it's not all spiritual. It's called mental. And we've got to use His Word to scrub, 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 scrub and get our minds renewed so that we think like Him. Only then are we prepared to walk with Him and live the Christian life. Amen. It, you know, it, it's like uh, you've known people in your life, maybe know some today, that are very difficult for you to spend time with. When you get around them, it's just, there's, you're just not clicking. There's just not a real ease or a flow. And the reason for that is, is because you're on two different planes mentally. They think one way, you think another way, and it's very hard for you to enjoy them. You want to say, hi, how's it going? See you later. Because you think different. And if, if there's enough subjects that come up where you have opposing thoughts, you don't want to be around them at all. Right? If every time a subject, let's, let's talk about politics. And you're, Pew. let's talk about hobbies. Pew. <laughs> Whatever. Let's talk about work. You know, everything is diametrically opposed. You're not going to hang out. You're just not on the same mental plane. Listen, same thing's true with the Lord. You know why some people have a difficult time spending much time with the Lord? They think completely different than He does. And it's not enjoyable for them. It's not enjoyable for the Lord either, by the way. You've heard this said, if you're not having a good time, He isn't either. Hmm. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. He's not coming down. 
he's not adjusting and watering down his thought life to mingle a little bit of worldly thinking in there so he can relate to you and I. No, it's time for us to, with his word, change our thinking so that we agree with him. And we're going to live with him forever. Giddy up. We might as well go ahead and get started on this. I mean, forever and ever, we're going to be walking with him. We might as well start thinking like him now and enjoying the things that he enjoys. And watch this, how it revolutionizes our lives in the process. Things that we struggle with will go far, far away when we start to think like him. It's just how it works. Our minds, remember Romans 12 too, we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Transformation means caterpillar to butterfly. It's a metamorphosis. You look like a completely different person, not because you got saved. These people were already saved. But because your mind was changed and took on God's thoughts. That's when your life looks different to everyone around. And I'm now we can fly. Now my dreams come true. <laughs> you want me to do that again? <laughs> Anybody else? <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's how everything changes. Listen, there, there, I'm going to close now, I think. There's a lot of stuff that we need our minds renewed according to. There's, a, there's, there's different subjects in the Word of God that I consider to be of primary importance. We need to think like God concerning our righteousness, our righteousness in Christ. We need to think like the Lord concerning His provision of health and prosperity and, and what He's provided for us. Have God's thoughts, otherwise we'll struggle in that area. So we've got to think like Him in those areas. You know, when it, when it comes to the love walk, I need to think like God thinks concerning love for each other. Otherwise, man, I'm going to have a difficult time walking in love with people. These are all mind renewal issues. And that's why when we teach various subjects in here, and when you read the Word on your own, uh, you can deal with all these different areas, uh, and it'll, it'll make a difference. We're constantly getting our minds cleaned and renewed to think like God, even if we don't bring up this subject. Okay, we need to understand the authority of the believer. What has God given you? What, what has He authorized you to do in your life? What's up to you? What's up to Him? And uh, so, so many other things, so many other areas. Uh, God has given us weapons. Remember, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We, Ephesians 6 talks about the armor of God, which is basically knowing the truth of these areas. That's a weapon. We've been given the word. We've been given the name of Jesus. We've been given the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We've been given so many things that are you that are called spiritual weapons in the Bible. So we can, with chaotic thought life, all kinds of strongholds, yank them down, clean them out, and begin a new pathway in our lives thinking like Him. Amen. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you today. Thank you for being with us. Thank you that you're on our side and we're on your side. Lord, we're walking together. Help us, I pray, to think right to think the thoughts that you would have us to think so our minds would be 
aligned with your plans and your purposes. And everything that you would desire for us to do in life and to be in life, that our thoughts are in agreement with that, therefore producing the right behavior and godly actions. Lord, I trust you now. You're empowering and have empowered every one of us to do this, to have perfect peace as our minds are stayed on you. We give you thanks. We give you praise. Lord, for those who are struggling today in these areas, I thank you for your grace. Now it is sufficient for them. It's your divine ability, your power to enable them to live a victorious life. Thank you for helping them. Father, I pray for those today who've come to church but they're not saved.